to all of you. This is part one with my friend Caitlin Gill, who recently made a pretty major life transition. And this conversation ends up feeling a lot like two comedians sitting around and chatting, which normally I would think on a podcast is not anything I'd be interested in. But given that we just went through a pandemic and something that dramatically changed the landscape and the look of the comedy world, I think it's worth hearing someone talk through what that's like to have your world be upended in a way where you have to really rethink or uh, reassess how you can do it, not what you want to do or what you're able to do. Sometimes options get uh, taken away. And I really enjoyed this conversation. I think Caitlin is extremely, not just intelligent, that's very apparent straight away, but um, insightful and kind. She's very funny. If you haven't seen her comedy, look it up. Caitlin Gill and her t-shirt company, guaranteeshirts.com. Okay, here's part one. Sound falls in that universe of things that I understand the effect of, but do not understand what they are at all. I th- like, yeah, I think a that's sound how I wave. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what that is. Like, I understand <laughs> it. I know I hear them. I know I create them. I understand their effect. But what? What do you mean, though? What is? What like is it? energy is the same just like okay i get it but like but what is it and i don't (laughs) i've not yet unlocked that satisfactorily for myself um some of them just don't have answers some of them do but i don't understand those answers that one for sure has an answer and i know i've heard it pretty succinctly uh my friend sam mandagaran who's been on this show a couple times is an electrical engineer and he described it pretty accurately in a way that i thought oh he's giving me the answer and i still can't replicate it or repeat it in a way that makes sense like you understand fundamentally or intuitively i do know that recently there was this commercial where they come flying in and they zoom into the grooves of a record and he had been telling me this he's like if you look it's just right. a sound, it's a waveform in there. And the needle is bouncing along. Right. So the same way we would see it digitally, that's exactly what's happening on the needle. So every, yes. everything you say and I say has its unique sound form. But if I look at one digitally, I can't wrap my head around that that particular collection of peaks and valleys, I guess, for lack of a better term, is unique to you. I would just think, no, 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 but how does it give like the sound? I get that that would be words, but how does it sound like Caitlin, you'd be like, right, I, it's in there. It, it, I, I, but ha, but what is it though? I mean, it's just <laughs> one of those amazing things that we get to play with and use, but also one of those things that's around me in my daily life where occasionally I just stop and be like, oh, I don't fundamentally understand what that is at all. And then I just move on talking and listening. Um, but yeah, it's, but uh, the- I, I understand, like I, I get that it is, it is wa- waves. But it, that's I've seen I've played with them on a computer. I have chopped them up and moved them around, and and I still don't. 
there, there's still mystery in it to me. <laughs> I think we can both agree on that and just kind of wave goodbye at it as we go by the the idea of having so. it, you know, like interpreting it effectively, understanding it for life. Just have to wave goodbye to things like that sometimes and go, you're going to be one of those things that I can't quite explain or even fully understand. And sometimes you got to live with that. You just go, yeah, that's definitely. I think actually comedian, perhaps comedians and scientists share this. There's a center to the Venn diagram there of comfort with that kind of unresolved knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, knowing that you don't know something is, is deeply uncomfortable. Uh, it's especially with something like sound or light or energy, something that's cl clearly around you. The idea that it is affecting you, but you can't understand it is like deeply uncomfortable in your wee animal brain. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, you know, I think humor, well, yeah, it comes down to, a lot of things come down to, is that bush rustling because of the wind or because of a lion? Yeah. You know, the uncomfortable sense that there's something affecting our environment, but if we don't know the cause, if we can't define the cause, then it could be of some kind of danger. <laughs> um, and it's funny that that's, uh, yeah, it, can't escape your primal instincts is what I've ran myself into a corner to say that there are still things I'm afraid of because I don't know them. And, <laughs> but I think comedians are able to hold those kind of like a joke fundamentally. Take my wife, please, is two pieces of information that don't are both true, but uh, both uh, disagree with one another. Um, Man, I'm I'm doing a piss poor job of explaining something I've loved thinking about and talking about articulately, and it's fun to watch it happen in lifetime. My brain malfunctioned, but um, I'll, I'll find my way back there. That there's something kind of awesome about laughter being a response, to, a relief response to something not being dangerous. <laughs> that there's two possibilities: one is dangerous and one is not, and the relief of it being not dangerous uh, can be shared by a room full of people. I think you've summarized that very succinctly, and I think at least eight times, but not <laughs> still didn't get to back to where I was thinking of. I thought you were meaning it more in the way of like the unknown could lead to something in science unexpected, where you know people that are afraid of those unknowns go, but what if it disproves that there's a god or you know something that fundamentally mm -hmm. simple? And they go, I don't care. I just want to learn what's out there. Right. I'm not afraid to yes. go looking. I think comedy has elements of that. And then also the mistake factor of looking back at previous data or things that were, there wasn't enough data and you determine that it was finalized or someone wrote a paper and then later that gets critiqued and dismissed a lot of times. Every mm -hmm. comedian kind of, even if it seems innocuous, if you're telling a story that is unique to you and maybe in it you say, even if you preface it to the crowd with, and I'm of the mind here, this is just my thinking, but if you blah, 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 into a store and da, 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 you should da, 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 da. You have some weird thing you've put together as far as I've seen life and I understand this. And maybe you suggested something that years later you look at and go, why did I think that? Why did I think yes. because this person was in a store wearing this, that they should be, you know, have some consequence. And I, I'm a, I wasn't aware enough or enlightened enough or grown up enough to have some empathy about what their life was like to get them there. And then you're, you're embarrassed by that, but you also look at it like a science and go, okay, well, new data, new things to go over. And I've made a new determination. 
Yes, revised. Revised, yeah. Revised and edited, <laughs> yes. Because some of those things... Yeah, the willingness to throw out old old ideas is vital in both fields, certainly. Yeah. And to, I be, I'll bet there are... You know how you see like some of these during COVID scientists that had left the establishment, quote unquote, and they were anti-vaxxers or even anti-maskers and, th- and you'd go, how? Like they... You'd look at their credentials. They went to a really well-respected school. They have a lot of degrees. But I think looking back at old sets of yourself, and if you maybe saw yourself go, no one should be allowed in a building unless they're wearing steel-toed shoes. If you, for whatever (laughs) reason, were like, I can't back up from that. I just have to lock on. You could never leave it where every scientist probably looks at them and goes, but we know more stuff now. You can wear lots of type of shoes in there. It's... The, I mean, being intelligent enough to get yourself some degrees does not preclude you from the kind of um, uh, psychopathy it takes to thirst for that kind of attention. You can be a very intelligent person that can convince themselves of a lot of things if they want (laughs) feedback. Yeah, that's a good point. Once a feedback loop starts, boy, it's hard to, to shake off. You can't, it's, you know... It, the chamber around you becomes smaller and more self-affirming, and and pretty soon you believe your own bullshit. That's a great place to find yourself. If you're a bright person believing your own bullshit, welcome to your own cult, or you just <laughs> got your own jet from the members of your church to give you all their money, or whatever it is. You just unlocked something. You're now a Fox News correspondent. Uh, whatever. It, you're, you've just found something lucrative if you can really buy, convince yourself your own stink is rosy. That element of placing our finger on what is undeniably inaccurate, bad, wrong, malicious. I I find myself thinking about that more these days in like that guy from the Nexium cult murderers, mm. someone on death row. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they can't come to grips with admitting or acknowledging what they did because the narcissism of, well, not only do I dislike being caught or captured or called out for something, I don't like having to admit it. So so saying, no, 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 it, it wasn't a cult and the branding wasn't what you think and I'm, I'm a good person and courts and testimony and eyewitness accounts going, no, you're not. That person's yeah. <laughs> still just sitting in jail right now complaining to their cellmate like, I'm the best and life just suddenly turned in a weird paradigm shift that I can't explain and they never fundamentally can just sit down and go, damn, I did get caught up with my own bullshit so much so I brought other people in, I harmed their lives. So what is that psychology there that if we could, and we can, give it a determination and give it a diagnosis, would that give you and I some empathy toward them? Of Like, they had no chance. They were barreling right toward being that maniac the whole time. We hate that it happened, but it was in, in, indefensible or unstoppable. I feel like the people who know our brains the best are just sitting back quietly being like, free will is an absolute illusion. All of your behavior is predetermined by your biology. But it doesn't help when people like Keith Rodriguez are fully assholes so we'll never realize what kind of asshole they are. Yeah. It's difficult to find a well of compassion. But I also think that that's, it's probably true that a lot of that behavior is just... It, I, I mean there by nature and if it's nurtured you're kind of you're kind of doomed um and it's the question of how much collateral damage there will be that being said this is the exact same psychological profile of everyone who like 
succeeds in business <laughs> and wins friends and influences people. So I don't know exactly, you know, it, it, it must come down to nurture, I suppose. That are you the psychopath that's going to lead an incredibly profitable multinational corporation, or are you going to be, you know, leading a cult into sucking your toes and signing over the deeds to their homes? Either one, damaging, <laughs> but society views one positively and the other negatively. I have a hard time, and this I I have other things I want to chat with you about, considering of where you we are. Just in started our, talking, we, but I mean, and what a great <laughs> thing to get into because. One, humanity, if you take that element of it and just wonder, why does it need all these factors, almost as though you would sort of add ingredients into some sort of wind-up toy and be like, let's see where it goes, but we want to add these parameters to ideally this thing that we're you know dropping into the ocean like fish food in several million years or hundreds of millions of years will have evolved to high levels of technology and exploration and theology and philosophy and it will be pushing and pursuing but in the wake of that will be tremendous amounts of destruction there will be these ponderings of why and kind of like you were just saying the the illusion of free will do you find yourself during the day seeing someone do an activity or action maybe they're speeding they're they're being reckless they're doing something that just immediately jars you where you're like oh humans why why yeah, being racist at the farmer's market? Yeah, <laughs> I've had a long morning. Yeah. And you and if you're if you can, if you have the rest and uh patience to just take a step or a, a moment to process it and go visualize however that person was raised and you can just imagine any scenario and then zoom in. Oh, I wrote a whole story for this person's life. Yeah. It included no happy days. (laughs) Yeah. I have them. I have them living a life that I go, ah, it's a shame. And then I have, and then I zoom into their brain chemistry and I see a bunch of things and I go, ah, geez, they had no chance. And then I zoom back out to my current spot where I'm standing there with my fruit from the farmer's market that I've just been cut in front of. And I go, all right, but we still have to assume there's free will. We're still pretending there's free will. Because if I just do that and go, sure, cut in front of me, you had a bad childhood. You, in, you Maybe that's my genetics and everything, but I just find myself... That's how lines should be formed, in order of your childhood trauma. <laughs> yeah, that seems fair. At the grocery store, whoever had it worse just goes first. Yeah. I think that's... Why not? Um, so many reasons. But I, I mean, I think... We're currently at a in a position where I feel like the the current the current thinking seems to be that mental health is not absolutely not your fault. It also absolutely is your responsibility. Yeah, that um, is a cruel thing to say in a nation which offers you no support. But I think no matter where you are throughout uh, time or space, that would remain true. Um, and it's also true that we need as a you know society to be way better at approaching and treating issues of mental health because uh, we are truly awful at just genuinely awful at it um and that means that uh ladies are weird and racist in the middle of a farmer's market because they've been ill cared for their entire lives uh it, it look there was a lot of other signs other than the overt racism that this woman had a ha, has a background uh the woman in the tail which i am not telling but it's obviously inferable that somebody was rude to someone else at a farmer's market with ro- racial overtones um but yeah, that that bejeweled for Jesus woman was broken before she got there, and there's no amount 
of of anything I could say that's going to break through that that crusty hair dye to get into that that dry aching scalp. There's nothing I can do. Yeah. Um, except for be really nice to the lady that keeps me fed every week. Um, <laughs> I remember when there was like yeah. the. It seemed almost weekly. There was someone out screaming at people for wearing masks or, you know, you would see these videos go on and, and people were livid. And who is this? Find them, fire them from their jobs. And one of them, she was um, a minority. And that w- I think would sort of get dismissed in that. Well, let's OK, we're let's move past that. She's still the worst. She's still a target. She's still in this situation. She's still someone to have a tremendous amount of hatred for but watching the video, parts of it were no joke. Like, what do you hate, sunshine? You hate California? I'll bet you. It was clearly the ramblings of someone very mentally ill. And the idea mm-hmm. that the internet at large would be like, get her! Get her! <laughs> it was just like, all right, this this is a a good kind of thumbprint of who we are, like you say, as far as mental health and how we look at it, how we recognize it, how we have compassion toward it. It's really not our thing. No, we're just wildly bad at it. It's kind of hilarious how bad we are um, in that sense that, you know, the the tragic is comedic, I suppose. Um, but yeah, we're we're so individualistic as a society that it's difficult for us to conceive of like collaborating to build the kind of resources we would need for individuals to get help with mental health. That's a difficult task for us to rise to, not something that we are culturally inclined to do. As we've seen demonstrated in the COVID era, era, as we are still a culture that does not understand that masks are for the benefit of others. Right. Uh, yeah. The Well, I, I don't care if I get so I don't need a mask because it's clearly a mask. You'd wear it to protect yourself. Like we've never gotten past that. We can't right. flip over. I, I would like if you where... drive your car drunk and smash into me you don't fly through your windshield and additionally do damage to me. So I'd love for you to wear your seatbelt for that. I, it, it has exactly. very little yes. to do with me wanting to enforce like a lack of freedoms on you or anything. I just don't want you flying through and headbutting me in my own car. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is a bonus. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's a frustrating culture to be a part of right now. I can say as a woman who lives in the compound in the desert, and it's been an interesting couple of weeks you know, something you have to watch out for if you have moved to a compound in the desert is confirmation bias because you've just made a big, huge decision and all the news you're going to consume is going to tell you whether or not that was a good or bad idea. And for the past couple of weeks, it's just been like, yeah, OK, mm-hmm, glad we've got this fence and a well. All right. Excellent. We are going to be way out here, I guess. All right. <laughs> not to give away your location, but it's it's out there and it is. We're out. Yeah. And it's warm and there are. Not too far away, like these gigantic salt flats. Virtually any commercial where you see cars mm-hmm. racing around in like a figure eight and helicopter shots, all shot out there, like barren. Hey, where's the closest we can get to like the moon or Mars or something? They would shoot a lot of that in an area right. you've moved to. And I feel like our yes. relationship knowing each other has been in these strange snapshots where you see a puppy and then you see that puppy at this age and then you see like it's just you're never the same puppy or we never are to each other i you know i see you in fairfield california we meet pepper bellies shut down later because of a shooting and a fire burned down right after they put in a bunch of tvs and xboxes No, just a coincidence, I'm sure. And then I see you, uh, I think, in San Francisco at a festival. 
Probably Sketchfest. Yeah. And then I think sort of relatively the same. You were just maybe a little more into comedy, you know, been Mm -hmm. doing a little longer, enjoying it, still dating the same person. You were featuring, you were, uh, yes, you were featuring for TIG, which was like, opening for that show was like the biggest thing that had ever happened to me in my entire life. (laughs) So you also met me when I was like visibly shaking with like, fear and intimidation and just the stakes could not have been higher to me and the two of you were just like there's a dozen people here in this 300 seat theater and I was just like I know all 12 of them came right I just couldn't I was yeah truly puppy is an excellent analogy those were it's just funny well it was Um, great because then like Tig and I were for sure on your side watching you because you were um very nervous and a tiny baby yeah yes and then yeah. the, and mm-hmm. then very shortly after that, i see you very you're confident you're capable you're like believing in your jokes you're selling them effectively then you live in la and then you're dating someone different and then you're and then there was a period where you were like i think living with bobcat goldthwaite and you guys were doing crab apples yes yeah 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 he had the lesbians in the basement for a while that was me and the sweet lady um <laughs> And, yes. And then, so, and I don't know why, I think you just get complacent thinking that, especially in LA, like, it's sort of a drain. It sucks people in and then they, mm-hmm. they live, you, some of this could be stereotyped from sitcoms and things where you have the neighbor who comes out, I almost got that role in 1971. And I, and so we just think everyone just stays. They never go away. They're, they're still hoping. I got a call back for NCIS. Have you heard of this? I'm going to be on a gurney. And I'm the body number two. 40 years of commercial for prunes. (laughs) Yeah. And so you just kind of assume, well, people say, everyone throughout the pandemic is like moving, we're going to a different country, we're going somewhere else, we got to get out of here, it's too busy. And then you did it very quietly. I check in with you, and you're wearing overalls, a t shirt, and a bandana. You look like you're (laughs) role playing for a lady in the country that just got back from a farmer's market. There is a, a cowboy hat just out of re- It's not a cowboy. It's a straw hat. Um, but you need a hat. Yeah, yeah. The- it's a practical garment. I've evolved. I have now, when you met me, I was dating a man by his own quotes who could walk into the Lakers and disappear. Um, and now I date, a, I've been dating for eight and a half years, a, uh, a, a tiny woman who my only, the oldest joke I have about it is that I, my only weight loss goal is to just not be literally twice the size of my partner. And it is close. <laughs> It's so close. Uh, so yes, you've known me through a wide variety of um, life's changes. Um, and I've no- always known you as incredibly sharp and steady and always in good company. Oh. Always very talented. Like a, 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 like one of those like, wait, you do that too? You're not supposed to be good at all these things. That's too many things. You do so many things that you're finally, I can't draw. Oh, that's so that sweet. Well, David can really... He can really draw. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think there's a long era in a comedy career where part of how your peers know you is what peer, like who you work with. And you've always worked with really exceptionally talented people. Folks really like to work with you, obviously, as evidenced by the fact that we met because I got to open for you and Tig, which was crazy. Well, thank you. Still crazy. Still a, a, an important event for me. Although since then, I have lived enough comedy life to like, you know, have met that version of me in like a club in, uh, you know, Iowa or somewhere else, like someone visibly shaking to me work with like Bobcat and I while we're on the road. And I'm just like, this hotel is disgusting. And I can't believe I ate at a Ruby Tuesdays, like just so in the middle of it. But yeah, 
Well, that was a, that was a very deftly delivered, very flattering thing. It was um, very nice of you to say, and and so uh, casually. I felt like that was very well uh, thought out. If I were trying to write a speech for someone, I don't know that I could have put together so well, many components like that. Yeah, that was. Throw some quotes around that. <laughs> I um, I just liked that there was a variety and. Maybe because looking back now when you're like, I live out in the desert, I give astronomy tours and I make Mm T-shirts. None of that Mm -hmm. should have surprised me other than, oh, yeah, like she is always doing something a little bit unexpected. And I think in a life, maybe maybe (laughs) Uh you're challenging that notion of free will of, oh, well, it seems like life wants me and my genetics to just do this. How do I fight that and prove that I am unique and I'm operating under my own uh, kind of operating system. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I, I suppose, you know, I've jokingly, I, I've joked around too much about being autistic because that's the, well, one, uh, it's not, it's not like funny. It's not like a funny ha ha topic, but if one's to make light of it, like, you know, referring to the autism spectrum as if I am on the lighter end of it, that's not like what the spectrum is. I think neurodivergent is like the hip way to say it. Whatever way I am not wired, the way is familiar. I have leaned into pretty hard. Like you and I would share the trait that it is very easy to speak in front of people, even extemporaneously, which is not something that folks are comfortable with. Like, oh, that was people very are not yeah. comfortable with that. <laughs> I, I, did, I, I would count myself among the latter group. And, and so getting into stand-up was a big, mm. the thing you're always being told in life, get out of your comfort zone. The pandemic, the quarantine shutting down, I've kind of enjoyed getting back into my comfort zone of like, right. ah, yeah. no more public speaking. Because I, I don't gravitate toward it. It's not something I am ultimately comfortable at or, or seek out, you know? So... Um, but I know what you're saying. Like th- those are two drastic personality differences in groups of people. Yes. And whatever it is about me that allows me to do that with ease, I have leaned into, you know, I have a, a few skills that are like, I don't know why I'm good at this, but I'll see where it takes me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that if you had known me before I was a stand-up comedian, that you would have made that call, but I don't think after a short time, after, you know, the learning curve we all go through, I think the label fit well. And now as life keeps changing to say that I'm a t-shirt maker and astronomy guide, it's like, well, I wouldn't have called it. But now that that's what's happening, I guess, sure. Yeah. You know what? Yes. <laughs> sure. This all, that all works. Um, so, yeah, I wish that I had a better handle on it. I wish that I was better able to, you know predict in advance where my life would lead in a few years time. But as it is, I've I've just tried to ride the winds and lean in, lean in. I love all the uh, with COVID, everything that's happened since March, 2020, it's just been like, okay, this is changing. There was no way I could have stayed trying to make money from stand-up comedy that first year. There's just nothing. I had to make other choice. I just had to. I'm so proud of my and our friends that have stuck it out and made a lot of amazing things happen in the last couple of years. But my timeline just didn't, it wasn't going to, there were going to be casualties. And I'm not surprised when I look at where I was right then that I just slipped right in the guillotine. <laughs> I think about that similarly in, I think about, you mentioned bios recently. And I think of how frequently we read about someone and it's irrelevant how impactful they were to their time on earth 
But if there's mm-hmm. a story just about them, you know, who's that? And you Google them and, and maybe you read a Wikipedia. We never take into account the the bumpers that turned their life. We just read them because that's how their life went. So da 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 da. Then there was a cholera outbreak, so they moved here, and then this happened. You don't think of right. like the family going, guys. There's this huge cholera thing. The factory shut down. We have to go. You just you just read the story like a snake and go, oh, it's all one long big body. You don't think of those moments of Caitlin was doing this and this and this. Then the COVID pandemic hit, and so she moved here. You'd be like, yeah, of course. Why? Of course. Yeah, she did. right. And now that's happening, it feels natural. But it is, I do like mourn. There's mourning. There's excitement about the new opportunities, and there's a lot to embrace. But like, yeah, it's it's a bu- it's not like. I'm stoked. <laughs> like, yeah, I was just waiting for a pandemic to hit so I could finally leave. Uh, but I'm not, I, I, you, the best option for me and I think for us, for my little family, was to just let go and let that happen. And we are, I'm surprised to be where we are, but really happy about it too. We went from March 2020 in a studio apartment in LA and we are now on five acres in the desert. We leveled up. But how the hell did we get here? What a wild, what a wild couple of years. <laughs> I, everyone's story is at least involves that element. To some people, it was, oh, yeah, then that happened. But I already worked from home. It was no big deal. To some people, it was right. it totally shook up my life. The brick and mortar store that I'd started with my blood, sweat and tears was no longer an option. And then I had to do this. Or I had to move mm-hmm. home and take care of someone. Or everyone in my family died and I had to go just re-immerse myself in a something I didn't want to do. But hopefully people made the most of it and went, I remember years ago a friend of mine had made a pilot. And I thought it was good. I was at the taping and they didn't pick it up. And it really just had to do with some of the bureaucracy behind production studios and how they operate with networks and they were making a decision that we're going to keep everything in-house this year so it wasn't even about the quality but it was devastating for him he was like i'd put two years into this and and really my whole life doing stand-up practicing Mm -hmm. writing jokes getting better every year and they say no and he's just like not bathing barely eating it's just really in a bad uh physical form so we go have lunch and chat, and we kind of were discussing the idea of, you know, the merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Like, row your boat, but sometimes you have an island you want to get to, and it might be upstream. And how hard are you, even if you row so hard where you are exhausting yourself, mm-hmm. the river might just be like, no. No. It's not. It, get a <laughs> Take a hint. It's supposed to be merrily. Turn around. Yeah, and it's... You know, this is something that I talked to Sarah Schaefer on the Schaefer Shakedown about this kind of a lot. That that I just can't ever know if it all would have broken. Like if all the things I wrote would have been made and if all those tours I wanted to do would have been packed. I have no, I don't get to know if it was luck, if it was talent, if it was something I fucked up, if it just was fucked up. If, you know, some of it does. I We've all seen our, we have careers to be proud of and we've seen peers rise. We've had friends explode and we've watched it happen for every type of reason. Yep. Something randomly catching fire and the things that happen slowly over time with lots of effort over lots of failure and you don't get to pick and you don't know who (laughs) (laughs) it's going to happen to. And I think there was a time, uh, 
you know, I did stand up for like a, a dozen years, a little bit more. It was my job for like eight of those, like, and it's, there was a time when I felt like this, this came up in conversation a few times where it's like, oh, I thought you'd done that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, 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 I'm a Lyft driver. Like I haven't done that. Whatever it is, if it seems on stage, like I've done late night or I've done a half hour, or I've done this, or that, that never happened. You know, the things I get to measure my success by are relationships, are the people that I got to work with or that wanted to work with me again after working with me once, that we would be talking, you know, so many years after, you know, Pepperbellies was lit ablaze is <laughs> how I get to measure success. Yeah. And it feels, you know, I miss the people that, um, I miss the people in stand-up comedy and I'm trying to find my way back to those relationships, but I don't, like, career-wise, I just had to let go. Yeah, just I know. See what happens when I was making t-shirts. GuaranteeShirts.com. Check them out. <laughs> <laughs> I say it again. Say it again. They're pretty good. I'm gonna write it. Guarantee shirts is uh Garen? is my little t-shirt. Guarantee shirts, like guarantee. It's a t-shirt. Oh, okay. It's fun because yeah. it says T at the end of guarantee. <laughs> also, don't ask me to spell it because I chose the name of the company, but I cannot spell the word guarantee aloud. So I'm not going to try. But is it Google like T hyphen or T E E? T E E. Nice. Guarantee guarantee shirts i like it um me too i read this book about buckminster fuller who i think had a little bit of the keith ranieri need for um could have been a cult leader but i also think he was an extraordinarily uh kind humanitarian he was always trying to make housing for the less fortunate he was always trying to make it affordable he's always trying to work with the government or, or the world basically in ways to house people effectively and a, a sweetheart of a man also failing all the time starting a magazine yeah. company and, and leaving design leaving architecture going into teaching getting it you know it, it's a winding road and at every step of it you feel old so therefore you feel like well i'm in the final <laughs> chapter and yeah. you look back 10 years later and you're like why won't that part leave that you might have more time than you think i think because we're always told that you got to live like you're going to die immediately or that your career needs to be at a certain place at this point that mm-hmm. it, it, I just don't think that's the case. I think you could go have this t-shirt uh, blip or you could have this long t-shirt run where you become a mogul. It could go any direction, but I don't think it effectively oh, no. ends any comedy um, aspirations. No, all that fatalism comes from me. You know, it's hard to, I, I think any comedian has to like, negotiate their relationship with comedy at a few times in their career and especially if they take a break or step away for any reason because it's a huge part of our our identity and as we talk about cults like this is something i don't stop thinking about that like comedy is a decentralized cult man (laughs) like it changes the way we think it changes the language we use it changes the way we frame relationships with one another we all have these like unspoken like the way we think about like a seven, what seven minutes means, what that phrase means, the way late night is such a huge accomplishment, but most people, it's not, rel, it's not, none of these things that feel high stakes for us translate in to the normal world, which is something that we would say, like normal people, that's how we would refer to people who aren't comedians, <laughs> like it's, it's a self-isolating group, it's a, uh, you know, there's some behavioral control, there's some, that's just happening, 
I mean, as we move it, you know what makes me think of it when I do astronomy tours is open star clusters where gravitational relationships have no core at their center. It's just the collected mass of all the objects that hold each other together. And that feels like comedians where we're all pulling these different directions, but we're held by these, some of these traditions and, you know, some of us get spat out, but some of us get really, you know, just embedded in these relationships. Um, but there's, there's no leader, there's no Ranieri, there's no center. It's not like that, but it is a, 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 you know, an open cult, <laughs> an open cluster of comedians. That makes so much sense. I like that. I, you know, I played sports when I was a kid and one of kind of the tenets of that is you don't quit. Don't quit in a game. Right. Don't quit on a team. You see it through to the end of the season. You don't, you don't want to play the next year. That's fine. That's not really necessarily quitting or if it is it's like the only acceptable kind but do not quit mid-season or mid-game or mid-practice so that seeped in so I and I still I still think there's a lot of value in that I appreciate that Mm -hmm. in a thing of sticking through something uh a healthy relationship with failure is great however you get it comedy has this learning how to come back yeah and comedy has this one that I think is so bizarre that every comedian think of where you do it you're 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 next to like these ridiculous businesses in strip malls. You're next to a donut shop or a mattress store and you're yep. waiting out there at like <laughs> sitting in those t- across the street from a dirt racing strip and shares a parking lot with a strip club. Yep. And you're like, anyone that's not here right now to do this open mic is a fraud. They're not in it. They don't believe they don't live it and breathe it. And they're not they haven't committed to doing this for the rest of their life. No matter what happens, you just, I'll be on stage until I die. That gets in, and no coach says it. There's no central leader, like you said. It just, every comedian that really believes it takes that in and feels it in a way where you're like, where did that come from? And no, you don't have to be at a strip mall wasting your life so that you can talk about ordering chicken nuggets and blah, 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 whatever passionate thing you had to talk about in those seven minutes it doesn't matter it doesn't matter at all and so getting away from that is kind of like leaving a cult yeah it finding the why why did you come to do this at all because it isn't to be in that strip mall it's not to be at that open mic that open mic sucked yeah uh (laughs) whichever one pick one draw draw the name out of a hat um it's uh yeah the Stepping away to refresh, like why you approached it in the first place, can be jarring because you realize how far you've come from that initial sort of impetus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think too jarring for some people to look straight at. Um, but it, yeah, I felt that a little bit tw- like, you know, early 2020 was a funny time in my career anyway, where I was like, what's going on? Like, why am I. What, what am I do? What am I doing? What am I trying to do? What's the next? What am I? Yeah. He, he's trying to examine why I wanted a late night set. I, David, I have literally never watched an episode of late night television. <laughs> I don't know how else I can be more honest, but I am a weird, I'm a tall, I'm a weird, I've never identified with anything on network TV. Like it's just never every show that, I mean, kids in the hall is back. That's the kind of television that re- grabbed my brain and then never let it go. It's never been. I know Conan is supposed to be weird, but if you're not a sanctioned kind of weird, it's not weird <laughs> enough. And you know that you're not the right kind of weird. You're still not at that lunch table. And this is, again, like, ring, ring. Yes, Caitlin, this call is coming from inside the, your own house. But I've just never had, I've never vibed. 
And yet still, if you ask me what my goal should be, it would be, we'll be on one of those shows. It's like, you don't, <laughs> you, you don't even know when you'd appear. You have no idea. You've never, even before comedy, I knew that that was like a thing comedians did. But in my entire career, I was never like, well, it's time to watch an entire episode of one of the guys whose name starts with Jay. And I'm like, nope, can't do it. I'm not, <sighs> nope, I'm out. I don't know how to do it. I don't know. I don't know how. I, it, and I'd submit packets, like <laughs> hire me to write for your show, because like, I think that's what I'm supposed to do, but I don't identify with, I don't know how to do any of that. It's just funny. I like to hear these sort of, I think of it as a person being grabbed by themselves, by the hair, and just sort of shaken until like all these things fall out. And they start <laughs> yeah. going, that was in there? And then you're just kind of this, yeah. you're like this husk, but there, like there's a purity in that. And you didn't, all the things that got sort of, migrated their way and floated in you inhaled you didn't even notice it those get shaken out to where you start going oh yeah what does matter to me what i went along for so long just being told you always hear comedians saying i get i get i get i got conan i got Mm -hmm. you're everyone's waiting at the table with their looking up and no one's turning around and making their own thing doing something artistic create smelling something different than what's on the table and following that scent and that always excited me it's a trap because if you need food on the table, you need to get paid to make the things. So you get stuck making the things that you get paid to make. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you showed up for. Yeah. Most of us. There are a few of us who are really incredible and great at writing late night. And it's what they watch when they and they love it. And I'm so happy for them when they thrive and succeed. But to say I should in the same environment is insane. But I just, yeah, there's, it's hard to sit down and make stuff if you're worried or hungry or, you know, there's, Hard to even spend the tiny time is money. So if you're spending that little bit of time when you need money, yeah, it's just difficult. I mean, um, you're being in the desert and missing connecting with comedians as was a big part of how we got in touch. Where I reached, mm-hmm. I started going through the rolodex of everyone that I interacted with in comedy, just along the kind of this twenty year circuitous kind of thing, and wonder what they're up to. And one of my friends is a detective, can't have his his information listed anywhere because it's like along the border. And so I was like, I want to call this like police yeah. you know, department and be like, hey, can you, and I don't even want to say his name. I don't want the cartel listening to go like look for him or something, but I miss him. And he was such a, you know, it's one of those little incremental things where I'd only see him when I came to town when I was working that club. We'd hang out all week leave he wanted to move to LA and I didn't I was like I'm not ready now I'm here and he's not I felt like some guilt but the feeling there of just like checking in with everyone that's what I missed about it so much and so I've gotten to do this thing which is just make stuff write these little sketches interact with friends goof around I had a TV show and I would sit there while the camera was on and they're putting these tight ass clothes on me and putting makeup on my face. And I would be like, (laughs) somewhere is someone in a basement making like a YouTube video or some stop motion with no notes. And they're having so much fun. They're laughing and they're probably going to make 10 times as much money as I'll make over the course of this whole (laughs) show. That was so enviable to me is like, they sort of followed their heart, even though it was maybe in a dumb way and a thing I wouldn't watch that comedians all got hustled into, you got to get those late night credits. You got to get in that festival. You got to get this. I could see you being someone in a penthouse getting ready to perform at a beautiful theater and kind of lamenting it going, I think I missed something. Hating it. I have no idea how to do it. I have no idea. Like that is the other thing about being in the desert that this is not a statement of like, this is not me bragging or being proud. I am of the people, man there. I do not know how to hang out in like 
Once you pop money wise, I enter, I need to get my fair lady. I have no idea how to be there. It would, I would literally have to take classes on how to go to after parties. Like I'd have to <laughs> find dining is the only part where I'm ready. Honey, give me the food. But everything else, like I, even early on, the dreams were not like get a lawyer. It was get a stylist. Like, because I'm not capable of being on a red car. I don't know how to do, I don't know even how to stand for photos. It would take like, that is a whole skill set. There are people there to teach you that because <laughs> it's not something you? people come to the table with. It is like oh, man. influencer is a job that is an entertainer because that shit is hard. <laughs> I am not mad at influence. I'm not a comedian who's like, get out of here, influencers. That's not a talent yeah. because I can't do any of the things that they are doing. I literally need their videos. I need that. Please show me how to step and turn. I had to do one of those and there was a liaison Ugh. like a publicist and they march you through. Now it's your turn. Go. And you yeah. see these groups go through and I look and she's giving me the info and I'm listening. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I look over her shoulder. I'm like, should we say something that that woman's nipple is out? And she kind of just brushes yeah. it off. Like they were talking about yeah. that beforehand. That's mm-hmm. all orchestrated. It's for this show. They're trying to drum up some press. So I'm seeing her smile and nod and pretend that she doesn't know her own nipple is hanging out of her dress hoping that it'll get oh so and so made this red carpet snafu so i'm that was revelatory to me of like oh all these things it's entertainment of course it's manufactured yeah but then i step out there and i'm just she's like just be yourself just walk along and just stand there so i do and i'm but then there's this gaggle of photographers and they all know your name which is a trip because you haven't met any of them and this woman is in a neck brace and she's doing that. And I, so I'm suddenly just like, and they're, they're crowding her. The men are like bumping into her and stuff. And she's fighting her way in with her neck. I go, are, are you okay? So like most of the photos on this red carpet are me just kind of like, uh? <laughs> uh, are you okay? Are you fine? Is your neck okay? She looked so, and she was mad at me that I had done that. She was not a good person. Of course. She just happened to be wearing a neck brace, yeah. but her look was like, yeah. just do the thing. And I was like, oh, oh, sorry. It was uh, okay. But the learning there you're talking about. Why would you ever need to learn that in any way? There's no value in that. What's it's all manu all those people probably wanted to be Ansel Adams and look where they ended up. Comedy's no different. Yes. Yes. And you know, some folks are like swim like fish in water. And the other folks did not see the water coming. Yeah. And that's me. I just like was just sort of like, "Wee, this comedy is fun. I'm falling through the air. This is fun. What is that stuff that's also clear? And it's the waters of the sweet, sweet waters of success, which are harder to be in. Mm-hmm. It is uh, you. It's the movement takes more intention. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it is an amazing part. I mean, again, another spacey analogy that I've thought of a lot since uh, in the last uh, as I started talking about the stars all the time is that my career put me into orbit. Not space. I was not a star, but I did get into orbit. Yeah. So I got a closer look at the stars. I got to be off the earth. I wasn't quite, you know, like my day to day was a little different for a while there where it was kind of exciting and fun and a little weirder uh, than maybe the average day to day. But a star I was not. I'm, I was, I didn't wander like Voyager. I'm well within, I'm at L2. That's as far as I made it. It's L, like a million miles off is not so bad. That's a nice place to be. Gravity will tug you along for a while, but you still need fuel. And, and yeah, in March, 2020, I was running a little low on fuel. Um, well, I want to talk yeah. more about this transition, this move. So if you're up for it, we'll take a little break and then dive into that. Sure. Come back for part two. We get a little bit more emotional, get really into the feel 
of um, what it feels like to maybe... It's not like we talk the whole time about just comedy. It's kind of the state of the world and existential things and uh, a lot of the stuff that, um, if you listen to this show, maybe it's what brings you back. And if you do keep coming back, I appreciate it. If you tell a friend or rate or review or subscribe or any of that stuff, it really helps. And part two, a little bit more emotional, um, I, I, which, I again, I just think is is valuable to hear people talk openly and honestly about, yeah, this was no longer an option for me. I had to make some adjustments, make some changes. You can be frustrated at the world, kind of wistful or sad or um, just the thought of what could have been. All those things play in. I don't know if you have that going on in your life, but if you do, I hope you're processing it and talking about it and uh, doing like Caitlin, moving forward and finding something new to go into and do. And if nothing else, hopefully it's interesting. But even if it's not, even if you're just sweeping floors or stocking shelves somewhere, hang in there. Life just seems to be pretty circuitous. Um, and thanks to those of you who do support the show on Patreon. I kind of wove in more chatting about the show and saying thanks for listening, rating, reviewing, etc. Pings at thespacecave.com if you have suggestions for guests. Patreon really helps with everything kind of costs a little bit more these days. Telecommunications and, and um, some of those pieces of software you need to access people that are remote, like Caitlin, uh, those now cost a little bit more per month. And so the Patreon is really valuable. It helps. Uh, Patreon.com slash Space Cave. Thank you so much to those of you who do. Little bits of bonus content, behind the scenes things, and some behind the scenes with Jeff Tice, a little bit extra from Sean and Micah. Uh, some ramblings from time to time. I'll probably post a sample episode of the upcoming intercepts podcast which is a sketch show i don't know when that's going to come out but at some point i've been working on that a lot anyway i thought this might be kind of fitting for the show the topic the world in general very pleasant calming song but the title seems fitting this is adversity by beach fossils i hope you like it thanks for stopping by this place kid Will you tear it down? Will you decide?